Spring is my favorite time to start a new workout routine. With the weather warming up, it feels easier to get into the rhythm of things. Whether you have 20 minutes or an hour for a Pilates class or outdoor guided walk, Peloton has everything you need to help you get going. Get a head start on summer with Peloton at OnePeloton.com. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, Right. For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Hello, my name is Gary Mansfield, and this is the Ministry of Arts podcast, where each week... I'll be speaking to a different artist. Now let's begin by bagging these bongos. Hello, hello, and welcome to episode 102 of the Ministry of Arts podcast. This is the last episode before Christmas. For this week's episode, I went down the south coast to meet ceramicist Alice Mara. Now Alice, like a couple of other guests on the podcast, was one of those where I saw her work on Instagram, instantly loved it, got in touch and organised a podcast. And it turns out she's good buddies with good buddies of mine being Ray Richardson and Mark Hampson. I don't want to give too much away in the intro about what Alice creates. But let me just read you some text about Alice. Alice has spent her career developing the relationships between form, function and decoration and has an insatiable appetite for new challenges. She experimented with printing methods before perfecting the art of realising photography in three dimensions, a complex and painstaking process. Her previous work features the architecture of London, Brighton and Eastbourne, capturing the colour, culture and character of these places. Her ceramic pieces offer a narrative of the lives led in these towns which through subtle uses of symbolism hint at the emotional backdrop of the residents. I've seen ceramicists do similar before but nowhere near this good. Well with that said please come with me as I spoke to ceramicist Alice Mara. Did you that you just doing a comedy Yes. It's the most nerve-wracking thing you can do, you know, because you have to make up your own set as well. And so you've got to find inspiration. And then you, you know, my gig is next week, actually, and I'm I'm really nervous. Yeah, I have. I did do a gig years ago because I did a comedy course about 12 years ago. uh, And I saw they had one in Worthing and I thought, oh, I've got to do it, you know, because I wanted to meet some local people as well. Is it a different one? 
but it's brilliant it's so creative because you you know you've got to write stuff down and you've got to take it from your life and it's very different from chatting with your mates and having a laugh you you know it's sort of there is a structure to it there's quite a few different structures to making jokes and things um so yeah I'm I'm kind of really enjoying it but I'm really nervous about the gig as well because it you know it's just one of those things it's like a big challenge doing it again 10 12 years later I'm much better at editing and I'm better at sort of making a strategy of how I'm going to write it and stuff um well there's humor in your work anyway isn't there yeah yeah. Whether it's the functional stuff that I happen to be looking at at the moment, mm. which is a butter dish with people looking like they're hanging and dropping off of it, <laughs> or the houses that you create. Yeah. You, you've said to me before that it's the, the houses have, have come pretty recently in your career. Mm. Where did your career start? Right, so, well, my dad was an artist, so I was very influenced and encouraged to be an artist which was great so I was always drawing in front of the telly always had a notepad and when I was eight I used to go to a kids pottery class at the YMCA and loved it and where was this so that was in central London and it's still they still have it I think they have it used to be 50p a session (laughs) and you could do swimming pottery mountain climbing you know it was really good center for kids to go and do that and um so I used to do pottery and then swimming afterwards so that was quite you know a real mix of two things to do and I just loved it I loved kind of making stuff and the teacher was lovely and every week I'd go in I'd get really excited to see what I'd made had it been fired so I really loved that I really loved art but I, I went on to do painting and I was doing a foundation at Walthamstow and uh, I didn't like the painting teacher she was really scary yeah. you know uh, so I thought oh there's a there's actually a pottery room behind you know at the back that no one ever went into so I sort of scurried off in there and they had a wheel and I just got on with it and because I'd done it when I was a kid I was quite good yeah. so I, and you know everyone was like oh that's really good you can actually do it you know because I did learn how to throw when yeah. I was quite young and that's when somebody said, you know, you can do a ceramics degree. And so I sort of applied for about three pottery courses, degree level, yeah. and got onto all of them. Wow. So where, that was, where did you end up? So I ended up at Harrow, which uh, was, is now called University of Westminster. Okay. But Harrow was a great college because it was, um, they taught you the real how to use the clay, yeah. you know, how to throw on the wheel. So you had to do that from eight to eight on a Monday, which I don't think they do now in, in any college because it's you, know, you have to really commit to that yeah. process, and then you learn all the slab building and the other ways to work with the clay. And what was your preferred way of working with it then? Well, I I do love throwing on the wheel, so you can make bowls and functional yeah. wear, but I found it really limiting because you know unless you cut them up and put them together, there's you, yeah, you're sort yeah, of a little yeah. bit limited to functional wear. But then I start. I really wanted to put imagery onto ceramics because um, my dad was a printmaker and so I was quite visual based. Yeah. So I sort of started by making things like plates with egg and bacon on <laughs> and jugs with milk, you know, with cows yeah, on yeah. and stuff. So it was really basic thinking. 
but the techniques were really basic as well because I was screen printing the imagery at oh, that yeah. point. So combining screen printing with clay, it was quite a difficult thing to do. So I, I was quite limited. But then as the years went on, different techniques were developed and I realised that you could then use digital ceramics, uh, prints, and put them onto clay so now I can use any photograph and any any imagery that I've messed around with and put it combine it with the clay slabs and stuff I mean it's quite a leap in technology isn't it yeah for a ceramicist to all of a sudden go from working with screen printing to photograph I mean that's some vision yeah well that happened when I sort of did my degree and it was all kind of basic stuff and learning the material. And then after that, I got a studio in Mile End uh, where I carried on and I'd have little exhibitions and stuff and just try and make a living out of it. And then I decided to go to the Royal College of Art to do an MA. My dad was professor there many years ago and he very sadly died quite young. He was 48 when he died. Uh, and it was while he was working at college as well. So... That was after he died. It was such a shock that that was the only thing I really wanted to do. Yeah. So I had applied before to go there when when he was still alive, and I didn't get a place. And I was like, "Did you not pull any strings for me, <laughs> for God's sake?" You know. Um, but then, sadly, after he died, I did. Uh, I worked a year or two on my portfolio, and then I finally got in. But that was where I started to see there were kind of better technologies, yeah. and there were better ways of making stuff. And that's when the sort of conceptual side started to come together as well. And I got more confident and What that. was you making at that point when you were showing? So at that point, I was making things like rolling slabs of clay and using a screen. I would screen print directly onto the clay pictures of gasometers and pylons and things. Very much London, uh, yeah, building yeah. based. I lived living in London at the time. And then I'd print onto a slab of clay as if it was paper. And then very carefully manipulate the slab into a vase or something yeah, functional. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that was just black and white as well. So that kind of worked. It was a really lovely way to work, actually. Um, but again, it was quite limited because it was, um, you know, where could I go from that? Rob, you know, I couldn't sort of use colour very easily. I couldn't print different colours on top just because the nature of it not drying out the ink and stuff. When you left your MO. Was it difficult to use those techniques still? No, because what I learned to do at the Royal College, I learned how there was a system of transfer that you could use that is done, it's really simple as well. Basically, it's done through a Xerox machine where they've changed the toners into ceramic pigment. So the CNYK, they've developed those colours but they've made it into ceramic oh, wow. pigment. Yeah, so when it prints out a sheet, you get a sheet of paper with an image on that you would... It's like a normal print, but it's, but it's this yeah, special yeah. pigment. And then they coat it with a cover coating that makes it into a transfer. Wow. Um, and then you put the transfer into water, take it out, and it's like a film of image that you can then put around the piece, that you've made, the glazed piece. Yeah. And it goes back into the kiln and is fired... And the imagery sinks into the body of the glaze. And it doesn't so it comes, lose no impression or...? It loses a bit of the 
color but when you're working on the image you sat i saturate yeah, it so yeah, that yeah, yeah. so that so i can keep some brightness to the to right. the colors that i'm right. doing yeah i mean it's literally limitless the process that i use because you can make any shape using slabs of clay any building and then you can use any imagery to put around it as well there's no limits to it you mentioned your dad being a professor at mm. the rca yeah Tell us a little bit about him. Yeah, oh god, I mean, he was lovely. I don't know even how he got into being an artist because he was originally from Ireland and he just was doing his um, foundation when he had me. So he was like 21 when he had me, and the work that he's producing were amazing prints with kind of 72 colors in them. So wow. he was he was really good at it, and he had a home studio that I would help him at had many different studios but but he never could work just on his own work he always taught as well okay. and he was a really good teacher and many stu- um, many students loved him and he was really excited when he got the job at the Royal College you know and he was great working there really enjoyed it loved all the students um, was able he worked four days a week so he was able to make his own work and the amount of work he got done was amazing the time limit that he had having a family and working um but very sadly when he was just 48 he had a heart attack and died and it was like a massive for the whole family out of the blue blue. he'd been playing tennis and he'd hit his leg and they'd got an aneurysm. Wow. Yeah, and then, but he didn't know. It was summer holiday from college, so he, because he was always busy, he yeah. was quite pleased because I think it meant he could sit yeah. and watch telly. <laughs> yeah, so watch yeah. the tennis with his leg up, you know, didn't walk around, you know, didn't go to the doctor, he didn't do anything. Um, and then he went into college, actually, at the Royal College. He went into, before the students went in the summer holiday, and he walked through the, the door and just collapsed and oh, died. Wow. When you said he passed away at the Royal College, I thought you meant while he was no, working. Yeah, you know, literally. The, the time he was working, yeah. there, not literally. Wow. No, he actually died on the premises and it was, um, yeah, awful. And just a massive shock because I remember my, you know, obviously my mum had to tell me. So our family was like, like it was. And then the next day it was completely was changed. Name? Tim Mara. You know, and he's just an amazing printmaker. If you look him up, well, yeah, you just show me some of his prints, and they, yeah. as I said at the time, they um, tra- they've travelled well over fifty years. Yeah, they're timeless, and if you look at his prints, you you know they look like they're photoshopped, but they're not. They're kind of he would he'd even print up the wall because he did rooms and sort of different narratives. And he'd actually print the wallpaper that was going to be in the image. Wow. <laughs> or sometimes my mum or some of us would appear in his prints. Yeah. And he'd print the dress, the material, and my mum would wear just the front of it or something. And then that would be in the... In the, the images room. that you've just shown me in your home, the, the people in those images, are they people that you know? They, yeah, so they're, that particular one's called Power Cuts Imminent, and that's my mum. Excellent. And my dad's dad's in that, yeah. Brilliant. He didn't usually put faces in, actually, yeah. but but those particular ones he did early on. But it's lovely to look at them now. 
you know, now I'm a bit older and I'm kind of interested in the psychology and, yeah, of people. Yeah, yeah. I, I try and kind of get some information about what he must have been thinking about when he was making this work. Because yeah. nothing comes from nowhere, you know. These, it's the same with my own work. It's kind of any imagery I use is always, in my own work, very authentic to my kind of the way that I live it's or my like issues. Yeah, it's all very much about what's going on. Even if sometimes it's subconscious, I might look at the work and go... Like, for example, I was single for many years and some, <laughs> one of my pieces, there's like a man with pants on in the window. Like, that's, that's no coincidence there, you know. So, so, so sometimes I look back on my work and I'm like, oh, why did I put that dustbin liner in there? It's because it, everything was rubbish at the yeah. time. So there's lots of symbol symbols in my work as well um, do you think that using that subject in your work relates to your dad using it in his work yeah I think you know a lot of my dad's work is about rooms and people and a sense of place and space and and what happens within a um some of the work some of his works about objects as well but yeah. the stuff that I really like is about the rooms and it because I think he wanted to be a bit of um, a filmmaker as well so would direct these images you know and I think I've kind of done that in my own work there's definitely if you look at my work and his work you know there's kind of definitely influences there yeah, yeah I, the, for me making a building is you know what better narrative what better canvas is there for the way that people are the way they live yeah what they do in their houses, how they decorate their houses. So I did make a street once. Um, I did 22 different houses. And what I was interested in is how you can have a row of terrace houses, but one will be pebble dashed, the other one will be mock Tudor. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was quite fascinated with the different textures as well. And I think my dad did a lot of that. So you'd have like a tiled column or something. And in my own work, I, I'm kind of interested in textures of bricks and urban pattern, I think they call it. Also, I'm kind of interested in what's happening now, you know. So a piece I made a little while ago had loads of people in puffer jackets, like old grannies wearing big long puffer <laughs> sleeping bags, and like young men. And I just thought, God, that's really of its time. Yeah. I must put a load of people in puffer jackets in my work because it when people look back they'll go oh that was 2010 or whatever you know it's kind of and do you feel an obligation to do, do you feel like you're bringing your dad with you in your work yeah i mean there's not on a piece to piece basis but in your practice rather yeah i mean i did have a show with my dad's work and that yes. was kind of a real that was a moment for me because I hold him in real high esteem, you know, estate. particularly his work. Um, and I just think for me to... Sh I didn't want to be like... I can show with him because I'm his daughter and it doesn't matter what level. It, I had to, it had to be the right time. I had to be at the right level of yeah. confidence to do it. So I had this really good show, actually, at the Eagle Gallery in Farringdon. Yeah, yeah. And um, so the woman, you know, the gallerist said, yeah, let's do it. I was like, brilliant. And I was like, what am I going to make? And I started making these plates with like King Kong on them and like really rubbish ideas because I just, 
I just thought, I just got to start. I don't know what... That's where you hadn't sat and thought about it. No. I was just like, oh my God, how am I going to do this, you know? And it did take a while to kind of just become... Give myself that thinking space to make something really authentic that was... That would work, that I wanted to make, and take the pressure off showing with my dad's work. And, you know, I, I, it was a great thing to do because I realised it was buildings. That was what I was interested in. Buildings, people, what they do in the buildings, windows. I made some boxes with windows on the front and you opened it and there'd be a scene inside, you know, looking through the window, what might be happening. Yeah. Ceramic boxes. And I made these um, ceramic urns that had buildings wrapped around them with lots of different... And they were all about Walthamstow and London. So there's loads of like cultural diff- people from different cultures yeah. on it. Shopping trolleys, you know, all the things that you see around. Um, a lot, you know, alongside kind of... A lot of my buildings will have sort of very glamorous people at the front of them having parties and having a great time. And at the back it'll be like a sort of loads of shitty bins. <laughs> and, nice. You know, and, and people really drunk yeah. fallen over you know so it's not quite a lily but you know yeah exactly it's kind of the two sometimes it's two worlds collide you know i aspire to be at the front of the building partying with and how long ago you started making these slab houses probably about 2010 oh, okay. was, you know but, well my first one was maybe about seven or eight years ago um the, the houses where things started where I started to make porches and yeah. and bits that came out. A little story about. Yeah, because the the street that I made was slip cast, um, okay. like little urns. Yeah. So they didn't have now. When I work, I kind of bring out the balconies or bring out the doors. So there'll be three. It's made yeah, in a yeah. different way. Bits are stuck on, you know. And the the imagery is wrapped around pillars, and so it's much more three dimensional the work now, as as opposed to how it was then. Um, but yeah, probably the buildings maybe about twelve, fifteen years. And what year was it you done the show with your dad's work? I think it was about two thousand and ten or something. It was opened by Grace and Perry. Wow! It was called Mara and Mara. And I kind of know him. I've got, we've, you know, we've got friends in common. And I thought, oh, I'm going to ask him to open it. Did he know your dad? <laughs> he, I don't know if he met my dad, but we've got a mutual friend who had a studio with my dad, who loved my dad. And so I think through that person, Grayson would know a lot about my dad and would know his work. So yeah. there was connection there. And thought it'd be lovely. It'd be really, and obviously there's a connection with the ceramics. So I thought, we don't ask, don't get. And I asked him, and he was brilliant. Excellent. And I, you know, and it's kind of in his manner as well. Yeah. Farringdon. Uh, so he said, yeah, I'll do that. And he turned up dressed in one of his lovely dresses oh, yeah. as Alice in Wonderland. Super. <laughs> With a doll, a, like a doll yeah. dressed up as well. And I turned up in a big dress as well. And, and just everyone got really pissed, actually. Yeah. So no one can really remember. Yeah. Well, he opened my third year show at uni. Did he? Yeah. Oh. And likewise, I was drunk on that as well. <laughs> and I, I don't even think I got to meet him that evening. Oh. 
yeah, he he's really down to earth though so he probably you know he's good like that just. but he was it was nice because somebody said to me oh don't ask him because he'll take all your thunder blah 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 and I thought well I don't really mind that no. but well let's see shall we yeah. and uh, actually he was so generous with his time and he made a really nice speech um, you know and it it was a really good show actually I'm so glad that I did that with yeah. my dad's work um, and I've done a couple of other things with my dad and my work together um, at Advanced Graphics we did something yeah, well, they did some... Ray yeah so Ray shows his work there as well um, so that was lovely they did um, I think they they had some other artists as well they did sort of siblings and um, yeah. or parents and children's art so. do you know Mark Hampson? yes I know him really Is well he your dad? Yeah, he, well, he was a dad. Of, he was a student of my dad's. There you go. Yeah, I, I, yeah. I've just written his name down underneath. Yeah, no, I know him really name. well. Yeah, Mark's great. Good yeah. stuff. Yeah, it? yeah, he's a good laugh. So that's a good circle. Well, Mark came round actually. We didn't know him before Dad died. He was one of Dad's students, and he we had a big show at the Royal College for with Dad's work, and Mark came round to help with that. So someone said, "Oh, we'll get one of the student ex students to come." Because they're really good at that sort of thing. And we, like, as a fact, so it's my mum, my sister and me, and my dad. And then, but when my dad died, it was like, we, we were really, you know, distraught, really yeah, upset, yeah. in grieving. And Mark came around and he just made us laugh, you know. And it was great because just what we needed, actually. Yeah, he ended up being one of my tutors, Mark. Did he? Yeah. I think it's because of his background. It's very honest. no nonsense at age, yeah. yeah. And it turns out him and Ray are very close like anyway. Yeah. And when I went to uni, I mentioned to him about me writing to artists from prison. Like when I first started telling my story to yeah. Jules, and Mark was properly fascinated how I'd come about being an artist. Yeah. And uh, I said about the first one being Dougie Fields, then the second and third together was Patrick Hughes. Do you know Patrick Hughes? Yeah. Well, um, he was a friend of my dad's. Was it? But yeah, so Patrick Hughes and that kind of... Patrick is cool. Yeah, And then brilliant. I mentioned Ray and he went, you're joking. Ray's like, we're showing together or we just showed together or something like yeah, that. Yeah, yeah. Well, it's a small world, isn't it? And the printmaking world is really small. Yeah, like everyone kind of knows each other. Uh, Mark went on to work in the printmaking at RCA afterwards, didn't he? So he yeah. Was he there when he came round to you? So he was a student of my dad's because my dad died in 97. And he was 48 years old when he died. So it's just incredible. That's like 25 years ago now, isn't it? Yeah. And um, yeah, so Mark was that year of students, I think, that was there the year that my dad died. So that would have hit the students quite hard because yeah. they were, like most of them were fond of it. They, they never tell me anything bad about him, but they're not going to, are they? No, but maybe they've got nothing bad. <laughs> yeah, to but I still get... Um, you know, especially with Instagram, I get people saying, "Oh, are you are you any relation to Tim Mara?" And I'm like, yeah, it's my dad. And nice. they're just like, "Oh God, like you know, he was really good, really good teacher." And a lot of people have been inspired by the work and by yeah. by that. Was that the last time you had an exhibition of your dad's? And would you think of doing one again? I don't think I'd do it again because I've done that now. <laughs> you know, it's kind. Of, I I would definitely do a show where there'd be some of my dad's work in but I would I don't think I'd make it a big yeah. kind of him and me um, or, or him on his own even to, to show his work yeah I, well the thing is it's quite a, 
it's quite a lot to set those sort of things. We yeah. did have a show recently in Wolverhampton. We had a really good um, at the museum there. They've got a really good art gallery museum, and they featured Dad's work. They had a lovely show of his stuff, and we did. Um, we had a panel. I was chairing the panel, and Mark was there. Mark oh, well. Hampson and Richard Wentworth, Chris Frailing, wow. Eric Great Rex, and we all had a discussion about Dad's work, and it was really lovely. Yeah, it was, so. yeah. And was your family there as well? Yeah, yeah, loads of people there, you know. So we had Beautiful. a great jolly to Wolverhampton, which was where my dad was a student, because I was born in Wolverhampton. So it's kind of like going back, going back there. But yeah, I would definitely show, you know, I'd love to show a few more things with nice. with his work. But um, And bringing you, talking about your work in the present mm. day, the, the work that we mentioned earlier, where it's got images of people sort of hanging. Are they hanging or are they jumping? They, they're they're hanging there. on. They're hanging on for dear life. So there's kind of three streams to what I do. Okay. okay. So being a maker, well, it's sort of that divide with art and craft, I suppose. So some of my stuff's really useful and usable and some of it isn't. Yeah. It's, you know, so there's a bit of a strange crossover with all that. And because I'm from the Harrow School of Teaching Ceramics, which is real purist yeah. teaching. I've never let go of that function. I've got so many ideas about making functional wear as yeah. well. I'm quite interested in keeping that going. But I also love making the buildings and houses yeah. and things and putting my ideas and expressing myself through that. And is there any reason why they can't be well, do you running know, together? Yeah, sometimes... This sounds really weird, but I make houses that are lamps. Um, so that gives them a function without them being kind of, without you having to put things yeah. in it. Because they say that's the only crossover between art and craft is the function. Yeah, maybe. <laughs> that's probably a big, big, long discussion about yeah, that. It is, but it's a whole but to me, discussion. that's kind of, yeah, but that I does separate that, it. I don't see that as a yeah yeah but it's an interesting debate i suppose that went on for years when i was at college but i, I think that's all changing now because now they have um a we they have wheels and kilns at the royal academy oh, there you go. so you know ceramics is really cool now <laughs> and it's coming back into fashion and people are using it you know in sort of highbrow yeah. fine art Situations, it's becoming really popular because it's a lovely material to work with. Do you think Grace and Perry's a lot to do with that? Yeah, an awful lot to do with that. Because yeah. I had no interest in ceramics. Well, yeah. I had no interest in it. it. It was just never on my radar. Well, it was Beardy and Brown, wasn't it? Well, yeah. And then when I went to a Saatchi show when he had the GLC building. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I went round the corner there and I, I didn't, I don't even think I knew of Grace and Perry. Yeah. And I saw this big vase on a pedestal mm. and as, from a distance I was like oh fucking yeah. hell I like that it's, yeah. it's so different to I'd always seen it as a bit twee yeah. through my a bit ignorance. cake sniffy yeah <laughs> yes <laughs> but when I saw his it was yeah. like a little bit dangerous yeah, a little yeah. bit naughty you know it was a little bit punk and they're lovely objects as well it's yeah. lovely to see sort of these kind of functional objects that have got stuff on them you know are decorated with really interesting topics yeah. and stuff and that's something I really re that resonates with me because that's what I do as what well. you know I try and do yeah. that too telling a story on the ceramic object um but yeah I think he because he's from a fine art background 
and you know he's kind of coming from that school of teaching yeah. it, it's kind yeah. of a, yeah it's really although when he won the Turner Prize there was a lot of people of his ilk <coughs> and level yeah that were saying that he shouldn't be allowed to be a part of it mm. you know sort of like some of the ablest artists and yeah. I was like well, it's like ceramics is kind of the poor little sister of um, yeah, no. of the of the arts. But I mean, you know, that's how it was. But that but printmaking was always a bit like yeah. that with painting, I yeah. suppose. You know, it's kind of you don't need fucking geek. It's like class. You don't need gatekeepers. Do you? It's like I mean, I was always a, a bouncer for years. You know, you don't need a fucking bouncer on the door of the art world, do you? Yeah. Teddy Newton coming in. And yeah. Yeah, exactly. You know, and now, of course, look at it now. Everyone's using it. Um, you know, there's quite. If you go to the Royal Academy summer show, they used to have one or two ceramic pieces, and yeah. now there's quite a lot in there. So that's quite. Yeah. That's good to see, actually. You know, it's bringing it to a wider audience. But sorry, I interrupted your right. flow of your different lines of, of work. Oh yeah, so I've got kind of three a three pronged approach. Nice. <laughs> Uh, and it's just evolved like that. Um, but so I have... And I should say, sorry, yeah. there's banging going on. If anyone can yeah. hear it, that is just because there's a lot of building work going on yeah. just next, next door. door. Yeah, so um, so I've got three, three ways of working. Um, and <clears throat> so I have lots of little functional objects. So I'll have an idea. I'll think, oh, God, dustbin liner on a little vase. That'd be yeah. great. That, and I visualise it. And I just can't help myself. I've got to make it. And then I have this range of um, hanging people. Uh, so I make... That was all to do with... That is hanging... People hanging by their, by their hands. hands. Their yeah, yeah, yeah. Not, I'm not that dark. <laughs> yeah. yeah, so that was... You know the Greek urns where you've got those people yeah, yeah, going... Yeah, yeah. You know, they have people going around. The, a freeze of them. That was ba- that was like a contemporary take on that. Yeah. That I just got my friends and family to pose hanging off doors. And uh, I just like the textures of their clothes and different colours. And it just became a kind of product that I and how produced. how doing that? That's been for years. That's like, I was going to say, yeah. when I saw... I, I, the work I first saw of yours yeah. was the houses. And as soon as I saw them, I got in touch because yeah. I fucking fell in love with them there and then. But oh, when I you. saw these, yeah. I saw there was what looked like a fruit bowl or a wide bowl with the people hanging Yeah. And when I saw it, I went, I've seen those before. So I have Yeah, they've been around and they've been in magazines and stuff and shops. And yeah, so it was quite a successful product um, that I've just carried on with. Uh, and I've sort of changed it a bit. So sometimes I can do pe- your own family, right? Yeah. You know, so I can make it very bespoke because yeah. again, it's the process I use is unlimited. So I do all the imagery and then I set, it gets printed on a okay. Xerox machine. Yeah. Yeah, so I don't screen print or I don't have my own Xerox machine yeah. to print them. That's how you would do it. If you did, if I did it in-house, I'd just buy the, a photocopier, yeah, basically. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, so that's one little thing that I do. And then I do commissions for people, their houses. So people will send me pictures of their houses and their family and I make them a miniature. <laughs> but they're kind of, they're, they're really hyper real, but they're also a little bit soft around the yeah, edges. Yeah, yeah. You know, they're sort of, um, but I get all sorts of houses coming through. So I've just done one for someone that's got a massive house in Greece. So wow. it's like 80 centimetres long, and it, you know, that took ages to make. 
Spring is my favorite time to start a new workout routine. With the weather warming up, it feels easier to get into the rhythm of things. Whether you have 20 minutes or an hour for a Pilates class or outdoor guided walk, Peloton has everything you need to help you get going. Get a head start on summer with Peloton at OnePeloton.com. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. And then I might get someone's mum has died and could I do their bungalow in South End. So it's, a, it's really brilliant because I can, it's really good for my skill base to get all these different types of architecture yeah. that I've got to make these houses, put them together get it as good as I can. Um, yeah, it's just, I really and love like doing it. it's no longer just a cubed house with a pointy pyramid no. on top. It's now whatever shape God, yeah. the house is that is being given to you, yeah. you, you have to reproduce. And sometimes, like, the photos come, people just email me the images, and I'm like, how am I going to do that? Like, this, Some of them are really complex yeah. houses where they've had bits built onto them. So it's quite fascinating... I have to really concentrate when I'm making them and get it right. And uh, so as an extra thing, I say, look, send me your pets and your people, your family, and I'll put that in as well. So it's very much catering for what somebody wants, you know. I I really like that kind of... And the stories behind them are incredible. You know, it'll be someone's lived in this house for 50 years and they're downsizing, they're going to sell it. Can I make a model for... You know, it's all kinds of... um, reasons why people get them made um and that's very lucrative for me as well because it's i've got a long list of commissions to make and people have committed to them so i know that i can just do those forever so you've got a long list of commissions for the houses does your um functional work get commissioned as well no so that is the functional where i've just got like a shopify shop okay. and that's just a sort of sideline so the images mini on, business the images on there as you see it's friends family and yes that yeah i can do bespoke things like uh bowls with people yeah. people's families hanging around them as well i could do anything that's the problem <laughs> you know there's, there's sort of so many ideas there yeah. Um, so it's kind of focusing so if you've got in. a big list of commissions. Yeah. How do you find time or make time? Yeah. To for my own work? stuff. This is the this is the holy grail. Is this the third prong? This is the third prong that I would like to be the main thing. Um, well, I just turned fifty in July, and as a present to myself, I said, right, Fridays are going to be my make my own work day. Um, and so far I've managed to do it a little bit, you know, but you know how yeah, of course. Yeah. life, you know, gets so busy. Um, so I, theory, and, um, theory and practice are two very different Yeah, things, but, you know, I have, I, I have started. So I'm making a body of work that I'm going to show probably in about 10 months' time. Uh, and I'm doing, I'm going to make a, I mean, I did show you, but I'm going to make a big street and I've got loads, loads of ideas. I want to do rooms as well, do a bit of interiors, 
you know kind of experiment with what it what it would be like to actually go inside the house and create something that's very um you know about looking out out from windows and things like that so visually well i'm trying to visualize it in my head would it be like opening the doors of a wendy house no i think it will be more that the room will be open so but it'll be in it bit like my dad's prints it yeah. will be like a scene in a front room or so it'll be about the furniture and the window yeah, yeah. and and the sort of texture of the curtains and the wallpaper and stuff so that's what I want to look at and and what's going on in the room but I'll still decorate the outside as an as the outside yeah. of the house and also I'm interested in doing um there's a street in Brighton called Bear Street and they've got loads of houses and some of them are student houses and then some of them are very middle class families and it's a yeah. real street of stuff going on. So I'm going to, uh, that's my kind of base idea about how different people are, but yeah. yet they live together and what they do in their houses, the texture of the outsides of the houses. One of them might have a swimming pool on the roof, you know, yeah. it's all fantasy, but with real stuff going on as well. Um, and I'll do something about Worthing as well. Like there'll be something about maybe the high street. Yeah. Being from Walthamstow, what's happening there now uh, is you'll get there's so much building work going on. Yeah. So it's like you'll get little terrace houses, and behind them, like massive scaffolding with a big building going yeah. up, and it's sort of changing the landscape. But it's really interesting. I think anywhere in London now, where you walk around, there's there's work being done yeah. and people are you know and these like you say there's a real disparity between yeah. sort of people living normally in their little council houses or something with well with just at the back of brick lane i went around to see another mate in indian guy who lived with his whole family yeah. extended family in his flat mm. and i was talking to his mum in the kitchen while he was doing whatever and this is when the um the sort of trendies started buying up yeah. you know, bits of East London. And she went, the flat upstairs just sold for £300,000. She said, yeah. we pay £86 to the council for this. <laughs> and, so and she's yeah. laughing at them yeah. for buying that flat upstairs for three hundred and yeah. grand when they pay under a one or a week, you know. It's, it's bonkers. Yeah, it? but I mean, we, my dad moved to, my mum and dad moved to Walthamstow you know, in the 70s, and they bought their house for like 19,000 or something like that, yeah. years and years ago. And we we always were waiting for it to become cool and trendy. And and then as soon as I moved out, <laughs> it does. There's yeah. a load of beardy microbreweries. That, that's because the area got rid of its riff. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, oh, she's gone. Quick, let's put the house prices up. I'm not going to take it personally, but this does happen they to me. Go down in this area. Yeah. They <laughs> no, but it'll go up when I leave. It'll kind Brilliant. of, you know. And I saw in your studio there that you had a, a block of apartments with balconies. Yeah. Does, yeah. does just putting on? I, I could imagine just putting on those little adages. Yeah. Double the time that it takes well, to create it. I'll tell you why I did that. So I was making I was making the houses, but they they were slip casts, so they were like little urns. Yeah. And then someone kind of did the same idea, like copied me, and I, and I was really upset for a while about it. And I realised that there's nothing you can do about that sort of thing. But all I can do is go on my own journey, my own 
just carry on, you know. And I mm. thought one way of stopping that from happening is to really start making them, you know, in a different way. So they're hand built. So there's so much detail goes yeah. onto them Almost that no one can bloody, right cop, you know, no one will be able to do that without putting a lot of work into it. So the houses that I make, I've learned so much on how to do it and how to put chimneys on and bring things out that I think it would be really difficult for somebody to do the same thing. Yeah. Well, they could, you know, they can, but at the level now that I can do it, because I've been doing it for so long, yeah. I, th I think it would be interesting if someone could copy that yeah, in, so, in a way. So when people do see it, they don't just go, oh, there's an Alice Mora. Oh, no, it's not. They go, oh, she's obviously trying to be... Yeah, it, it was just my... Yeah, I mean, I had a lot of people say, I saw your work here, and I was like, that's not mine. <laughs> I was just... It's like, oh. it's like we mentioned Patrick Hughes earlier. Oh, yeah. And he's quite protective of his reverse is, perspectives. Yeah. I mean, I, I love them from the moment I saw them and, yeah. and still do now. You occasionally see someone doing a reverse perspective because they want to experiment with it. But yeah. when they start showing them, I've not seen one yet where I go, oh, look, there's Patrick. Yeah. And then go, oh, no, it's not. It's, it's, everyone I see, I know You know it's, it's his. Not. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's, it's difficult, that, because you can't... You know, especially with Instagram. You know, and people always... There's loads of people making kind of paper houses and, yeah. you know, do see lots of similar things, you know. And it, but that's the kind of double-edged sword as you... You know, it's great to see what everyone else... And I always really like them. I'm like, God, that's good. That's really lovely. You know, but it's... What what I had to do was keep things very authentic and, and, you know, especially with my own work. Those are all my ideas. I've just got to go on my own sort of trajectory yeah. with it and not, not kind of worry about that sort of thing. But that's... You asked me why, you know, why I did those bits on. It was kind of a, a logical thing for yeah. me to do. But it's worked out really well. Good. Because it's added a dimension to what I was already doing. And did he put a whole lot more time? On? Yeah, I mean, I remember the first one I did. This guy said, "Oh, can you make my house?" Because I was just doing the street and everything. I said, "Yeah, I'll give it a go." You know, I was like, "Yeah, money. <laughs> I can actually charge him for this." Uh, this was like a few years ago, and I was, and he, so he sent me some pictures of it, and he lived in a kind of cottage somewhere in Kent really nice little cottage and I thought oh he's got this porch and he's got it's quite a complicated house but I slab built it and was able to do that and then I got I measured every area of it and got the transfer ready and all you know all the different textures of his roof and you know the, the building and um, I started to put each image on each part of yeah, the house yeah, yeah. And it kind of really came together. I was amazed. I was like, oh, that works really well. You know, that really does yeah, look... Yeah. That's really odd because it's a flat image on something that's coming out. So yeah. there's something quite odd about that. But it really worked and I just carried on. And that, if you look at my work, you can see that's what I do with, with all the nice. houses and stuff. And now with my own work. So that's the third prong yeah. is my own work, my own street that I make. And with that, I can really go to town by doing, um, you know, putting doors in there with stairs inside going up. So you can go into the house, or I can even open a window and put an image, like a transfer image inside the room. So I do that kind of thing, and that really does... And the images that you use for your own work, are they fictitious houses that you've sort of 
made up from from all houses yeah. so i went at like six in the morning i went to bear street because i get a bit emba- people get really suspicious <laughs> yeah. if you start taking pictures of people's houses they yeah. like sometimes can get really funny about it uh so i kind of go early so i have to be careful and i was taking photos i love doing that it's like oh god look what look at that color of that house or what the hell's that they've got in their garden all the bins and the satellite dishes and the net curtains just cataloging all of it i get really excited because i'm going to put all that in one house you know so that that would i you know i'm building up a picture of the street which i will then put into just five of the houses and that's what i really get inspired by that and also they've got a lot of shops that are within houses and in this you know in the sea at the seaside because this is all new to me living by the sea they have in eastbourne they've got amazing kind of georgian buildings with a pound shop underneath you know and it's like you you can't get better than that can you (laughs) it's like like i don't even have to make that one up it's or you know kebab shop and this amazing architecture on top of it so i really like that sort of thing and how would it work with the modern square, very square house mm. like we're in at the moment? Would, yeah. would yours work well with that? Because it feels to me, when I look at your work, mm. it, where it's a curved edge, it makes it feel a bit more homely. Yeah. Whereas the or some modern design mm. is very straight and Linear. structured. Yeah. yeah. Would it work? Well, interestingly, I've had a few architects contact me and say can you do some models that we can show people you know how they might look and I'm like yeah I can do that but you have you seen my work because it's not going to be like a real clinical but that's what they wanted they're like we want that soft edge we want it to be kind of soft and cozy even though it's a sort of quite a linear house so yeah I mean because I always strive to get those really good lines you know but it's kind of impossible yeah. the way that I work I'm just I can't get unless you slip cast things or make them out of card or something another material you can't get really yeah, straight I lines. think the material that you use mm. it, you, you don't want straight dead straight lines you want yeah you want the hand to be visible in it that's for me exactly personally. but that's I think that's what people like about them you know there's yeah. there's definitely like I say, that's the hand-built effect is there, and that's kind of what's appealing, I suppose. You know, whereas yeah. I'm trying to get them really rigid and straight. But you know, in even in new builds like this one, there's there's a certain amount of you know, I don't know that it's all kind of. I was going to say wobbly, but this house isn't. Well, we we yeah, <laughs> the Lewis houses I've made are very. That was the comparison we were making mm. back. In Walthamstow, for instance, a lot of the houses are Victorian, yeah. terrace. I don't know if that's what you was in, but they're yeah. very homely to look at. Mm. And the house that you're in now is very different. It's very linear, yeah. square, yeah. And, and it's got personalities. Where I was going to end up with, yeah. this place has got personality. <laughs> it's um, like a Premier Inn. <laughs> <laughs> but Premier Inn with nice artwork. <laughs> but that's the difference. You see a lot of, mm. of of the straight modern buildings, like the the ones that we just moved out of, had no personality whatsoever. Yeah. 
Some of them are really badly made with like little windows, and you know, you sort of think, God, why have they made? Oh, they make them to look like old buildings, but with no none of the sort of quirky. It's the personality that you need in your work, isn't it? I mean, I I have done some new builds, and it is. It's you're right. Actually, it's more of a challenge for me because I do want to get them so that they're that that they look obviously that they look like the buildings, but also to get the feel of them. Uh, So they are more challenging the new. Yeah. the new ones but you know people see my work they know what they're going to get they know it's not going to be a straight line probably and that's and that is the it? appeal did you do it for them was it architects you said yeah i've done a couple for architects and how did they go down yeah they like they, i think it was good yeah, yeah they thought it was a good idea it was quite an expensive thing for them to do though i think in a sense that yeah. you know for a client so i don't know if i'll get some more of those so the, the work you're creating for yourself have you got a show organised for that? I haven't. The venue is yet to be decided, but it's going to be in about 10 months' time. When I've kind of got more of the body of work together, that's when I'll... I've got this idea, though, that... Have you ever heard of Appear Here? I don't think so. Okay, so it's... it's I've never done it before, but it's this... Is it Appear? Is it... Appear as in turn up, or as in look, appear. Yeah, no, as in appear, as in da-da. It's basically this company. <laughs> it's this company that they have loads of old shops and buildings around London. Right, I do. It's yeah, the same as Hyper Studios that maybe, I interviewed a little while ago. But to me, it looks a bit too good to be true because there's this. No, it is. Is it good? It's, but there's the ones in Soho that. that are like yeah. 300 quid for the day. To So I'm going to do that. I want to do that. Yeah, there's Hyper Studios as well I've had on here. Right. Oh, um, yeah. They do. I didn't know of Appear Here mm. or Hyper Studios. I, yeah. I saw Hyper Studios. Uh, yeah, I've got in contact with them. So I think I've got to do it. I, just, seen it. I think it's amazing. And it turns out that was Appear Here as well before them. Oh, because, you know, with Instagram... I've managed to get for me it's a lot of followers that you know yeah. worked hard to get and I just think it's such a great tool because you can really target people that you know will like my sort of my sort of work uh, and I think with that and with a good mailing list you can put your own show on sit so I'm just going to see how it goes yeah. um you know and I think I can get a really good I'll, you know, once I've got a few more pieces together, I'll start Instagramming it. Oh, look at this. This is what I'm making. Yeah. Come along to the show. You know, have a glass of wine. And I think a big build-up to it. Get some people in. See how it goes. You know, and then, yeah. you know. Where would that be? Do you think it'd be in London? So I was going to do it in Deptford. There was an old butcher's shop that I saw that I really liked. And it was like 50 quid or something for the day. Yeah. <laughs> I thought that'd be a mate. But I liked the tiles and I... But the thing was, the location was a bit, it's back end of nowhere. Yeah, and I yeah. just thought, it's not a lot of money, but for me, it's a lot of work because my t- cause I've got so many commissions that any work I do is like quite costly for myself yeah, because yeah. it's not making the commissions. Um, so I thought, that one, I don't think I can get the right people to come to that one. Yeah. But somewhere more central and a bit more glamorous. Soho, there's one in Soho that got my eye on, and it looks really lovely. And it's quite a small venue, I don't want a massive space. And I'll just open for three days, 
see how it goes and that I mean it'd just be great if it worked out because then I thought oh, I've got some in LA <laughs> you, you know if it works yeah. you could do it all over the all over the yeah. all over the world what appear here do it in LA yeah they've got they've really? got American ones wow. as well um, so I just love that idea of just and also making work about the place where you show it I really yeah. I re- I'm really interested actually in working with galleries to make additions for them because I do that sometimes with the Royal Academy summer show I'll do an edition of a piece because it's the work is a bit like printmaking sometimes my work is classed as printmaking because it yeah, I can yeah. make multiples of them and I love the idea of doing that for different galleries but bespoke to the gallery you know the idea yeah. of it, and that's what I want I want people to be able to look at my work and recognize it somehow somehow res- resonate with it and then within the building, there's lots of stories that I hope people will resonate with as well, because a lot of them will be about, you know, a little bit of climate change stuff, yeah, you yeah. know, social issues as well as my own issues. Not, not that I've got any issues, <laughs> but you know, I I will often put things that I'm feeling, yeah. frust- or especially with the grief with my dad, and then my mum sadly passed away, you oh. know when she was quite young as well so that is in my life that's a really big thing that's happened to me so a lot of my work is about that kind of feeling of and um, and also sometimes a feeling of isolation that I might get would be symbolized in a building with a window at the top with a figure you know it's yeah. symbols going on but the thing is if you're feeling that and that sort of soothes your emotion in some way putting that in yeah that is going to happen with someone else I I know it's quite random but someone else is going to see that Mm. and they're going to have that same feeling of beat nostalgia loss whatever whatever, you know that when when you put an emotion into an artwork it does emit somewhere along the line I'm sure yeah even if it's not a conscious thing as well yeah you know for me it's a a story of, of of your life isn't it you know what, yeah whatever happens to be your mood today goes into your own yeah. life it might yeah. not be there tomorrow exactly so it's a kind of process that I really enjoy now yeah. as well and it's so precious because obviously I've got to do I'm doing all the other stuff you know all these other things that I'm making it's it, it sort of feeds into yeah. the main well, stuff it's, that it's I want to do making it so it's going to come out of yeah come out of there is anyway isn't it yeah so it's very enjoyable, actually, because I, I don't really know what's going to happen in the end with the work, but I've got a kind of basic idea. And then as it evolves, I kind of really, I really love, that's the bit I love, is yeah. when you when I've kind of got the piece made and I'm putting the imagery to it, that's the bit that's exciting for me, to get it all kind of um, coming to life. And speaking of your work as a whole, <clears throat> which piece do you think has got the strongest emotional connection? Well, that'll be a piece that I made ages ago for my mum for her ashes. Nice. So it basically it was it was kind of the start of it all as well. I know I keep jumping around with that, but so what had happened was <clears throat> so my mum was ill for a number of years and she died and it was really sad and me and my sister are really different characters. She's incredibly efficient and loves a form and loves organizing and I'm kind of airy fairy artists (laughs) so we deal with things in different ways we go on very well 
<clears throat> and the two of us had to go to the funeral parlour to talk business, you know, what was going to happen. And my sister had her notepad out. She's like, right, OK, we want this, blah, blah, blah. And she was really efficient. And then they but start... she talked posh like that as well. <laughs> or is that you're just efficient yeah, voice? She's, she's, much, she's a much better version of me. <laughs> and she said... The, yeah. Then they started showing us the catalogue of the really horrible urns that they have. Yeah. And I said, I can make an urn. And, uh, and that was my job then, you know, and that was really good. So I made... They looked, My mum, before she... Uh, you know... She lived in an amazing um, building and I made, I took pictures of that building and put it on an urn and it had the family in the windows and the lovely thing that we'd written on the lid. And so it was really quite, I've never done anything like that before and it was like my job to do yeah. and I really enjoyed it and I was really upset as I was doing it. It's, 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 a, it's a huge part of the grieving process, yeah. it's a part of... The final step, yeah, it? and I and I just think my mum would have loved that. We didn't talk about it before, um, but I, I thought, yeah, she'd really like that actually. And there was a bit of humour in it because at the time I was going out with this fella, I was like, I don't know if I want to put him in because <laughs> it wasn't working out. <laughs> I did put him in in the end, and I'm not with him anymore, so that's a bit, but anyway, uh, you know, and it was a really lovely piece, and it. And I was really glad I did it, and we dropped it off to the because it was going to be buried with my dad nice. in with my dad uh, so we had we filled it up with the ashes took it to the crematorium the London one and they were like oh my god we've never seen anything like this they really like my sister told me this afterwards I didn't go in with the urn she said they were really blown away by that and, I, and that, I, that was really that was really touching actually that, yeah so that that was kind of peace I think that like one has you, the most emotional attachment yeah. for obvious reasons. But yeah. if a, a question that I have got here is if there was you and five other artists, yeah. past and present, what would your ideal group show be? Right. Well, it's got to be Ray yeah. Richardson, who I know that you, you're friends with. but And I'm not a dog lover. I'm not a dog person at all. But he paints amazing dogs the what they called the terriers English bull terrier yeah and just um, oozing personality and so I know Ray and what I mean I love his work because it's quite cinematic and the paintings just it's really well done and I don't know I just kind of like the ideas behind his work um, and I know he goes off to Canvey to paint I, yeah. I love the idea of that I've sort of seen his work since the 90s, I think, and it's quite nostalgic. He did some beer bottles, didn't he? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, and I just remember those, and I just always liked it. So Ray would be one. And there's another painter I really love called David Heifer. He's about 90 now, and he paints um, blocks of flats. Like, I think they're South London, So, but he uses concrete as a kind of texture... And either he does really massive ones with graffiti and stuff, but they're really kind of powerful paintings. Um, I was just thinking to myself, I know I've heard that name. Is it, I've yeah, got, no, you showed me. I've got an, yeah, because I just turned I turned fifty in July, and my sister, my very efficient sister, arranged really lovely arranged for friends and close friends and family if they wanted to to put in towards this painting because it was the only thing I kind of wanted she asked me what I wanted and yeah. I said 
I'll just have one of those, please. And she said, well, I'm, I can't afford that. And then she came, you know, sort of came up with that idea. And it was really lovely that people put in. And, um, yeah, so I now Brilliant. am a proud owner. And also Flowers Gallery. Yeah. That's where we got it from. So we know Matt Flowers because my dad used to show with him. And he very kindly gave us a, you know, a good price on it and stuff. So nice. it's an amazing piece. Love it. Uh, and an artist called, um, I don't know if you've heard of her, Boo Ritson. No. So she's a painter as well, and she paints, she will literally paint a hamburger. Like, so she'll get a hamburger and paint it nice. on top of the hamburger with like emulsion okay. type paints. And they're really strong, like really. Is it as if she's put an icing on top of Yeah, them? and faces and people with sunglasses she'll paint the yeah. sunglasses she paints the actual thing yeah. really quite vigorously um, and then takes a great photo of it and, and the artwork is the photograph of the, of the yeah. objects that she's painted and I just love that is that how many is that <laughs> but Ron Muick do you know his work yes amazing <sighs> you know so I mean obviously I'm attracted to things that really look like the thing <laughs> They're supposed to be, but you know, if you ever go to Madame Two Swords, you think, why the hell are they still making these things exactly. when we've got people like Ron Muick? Yeah. And now everybody's doing, not everybody, but it, now he's done it. I don't yeah. know if he was the first, but you see, he, these, he possibly wasn't the first, but his work was just so because of its beauty, its oh, detail. You know, really realistic figures and. But the scale, so Dead Dad, for example, was the one. It's the one I was going to say, but blew me away. Said, yeah. yeah, I saw that, and it was just really poignant. That was about that time as well. Yeah, wasn't yeah, it? but maybe ninety-seven. Yeah, he was a bit. It was Sarchi. I saw yeah. that in Sarchi, and I just I thought they're incredible. I don't know how the hell he does it, but yeah, him. And I think one more, isn't it? Uh, and I'm going to say a guy called Nick Homaki, who. It's quite. Uh, it's a studio potter. I think he's from born in the fifties. Um, I don't really know much about him, but I love his work. If you look at it, it's really white porcelain with, and so he might make a teapot shape that looks like a teapot, but kind of nineteen fifties squiggle of a teapot. Yeah, yeah. And he'll draw the teapot on the teapot using a squiggly line. Yeah. But they're so well done. He doesn't draw on it. He scrapes into the clay, fills it with black ink okay, yeah. or ceramic pigment, yeah, yeah. and then sort of gets rid of the line. So the line get, gets rid of any stuff around yeah, the yeah. line. So he come he, the process that so he it uses. Just a part of it, yeah. yeah, the process that he uses is really amazing, an amazing technique, and his work's absolutely gorgeous. Just very plain black and white, but he's kind of my favourite. Potter, yeah. I suppose. I think yeah. that's five. And if you wasn't an artist, what do you think you'd like to be? I always wanted to be an ice cream lady. <laughs> that's one of my favourites <laughs> I've heard on here. And Brilliant. really weirdly, when I was at the Royal College, every day I'd walk up from South Ken and there was this ice cream van and I went to get an ice cream and I knew the woman working in there. Yeah. I was like, oh God, I can't believe it. I don't, can't remember who she is. I can't remember her now. I didn't know her very well. But I was like, oh my God, I can't believe it's you. And she said, oh, we got chatting. And she said, what, what was I doing? Because she was from Walthamstow. She said, what am I doing 
going there and I said oh, I'm doing a ceramics at MA at the Royal College and she was like oh, I've always wanted to do ceramics wow. and I was like I've always wanted to be an ice cream ice lady her, yeah. <laughs> so I'd love to swap with her Brilliant answer. That would be it. Excellent answer. And where can anyone see your work, be it social media or website? Well, the best place is Instagram, and I'm Alice Mara Ceramics. Just type that in and I'll come up. I do have a website linked to that, and that's just alicemara.com, or just Google Alice Mara, and it'll all, you'll see ceramics, imagery, that's me. Well, that seems to be all my questions asked. Thank you very much for your time. Thank you, Gary. Well, there you go. Alice Mara, how good was she? And if you want to listen to other episodes featuring ceramicists, go and have a look at our back catalogue. We've got Carolyn Tripp, Patrick Colquhoun, um, and, <laughs> and of course, the great British Throwdown presenters, Keith Brimer-Jones and Rich Miller. That'll give you something to do rather than sitting watching Chitty Chitty Bang Bang or Elf. <laughs> as it happens they're two great films sod the podcast sit down with your family and watch Chitty Chitty Bang Bang and Elf our next episode after Christmas is on the 27th and that is with Hannah Bennyhood. so until then I hope you have a lovely Christmas and if you don't celebrate Christmas I hope you have a gorgeous weekend all the best ta well Hope you enjoyed that episode of the Ministry of Arts podcast. So we wasn't dictated to by advertisers. We decided from the offset to go ad-free, which means obviously we had to self-fund. So we set up the Ministry of Arts Patreon page. And without that support, we would not be able to produce this podcast. So if you like what you hear and you're able to support the podcast, just go over to the Ministry of Arts Instagram profile. You'll find a Linktree drop-down box which will direct you straight to our Patreon page. And for the price of a cup of coffee, you can help keep us growing week by week. But if you're not able to do that, that's fine because this content is free for everyone. But leaving a review on whichever platform you listen to your podcast, that really does help us get noticed and anyone else looking for an art podcast. Or even giving us a positive shout out on your social media. Everything is appreciated. But either way, thanks for listening. And until next week, sad off. on a budget we still deserve nice things quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80 percent less than similar brands they have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at 50 dollars, luxurious italian leather bags and so much more plus quince only works with factories that use safe ethical and responsible manufacturing get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with quince go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365 day returns ACAST powers the world's best podcasts. Here's a show that we recommend. 
Winning is an everyday mindset, and we're here to help. I'm Craig Robinson. Join me and Coach John Calipari for Ways to Win. We're kicking off during March Madness. Cal's Kentucky Wildcats are in the hunt. So throughout the tournament, I'm going to call up my friend to ask about his wins, losses, and especially what he's telling his players in the locker room. You got to win every day. Find the Ways to Win podcast anywhere you listen. Acast helps creators launch, grow, and monetize their podcasts everywhere. Acast.com. <laughs> 